I'm just going to give a little bit of an introduction um, because today when we, um, you know, on the Eightfold Noble Path, we were out in a section about um, unwise sexual behavior. So I thought, oh, well, this is a good day to use that as a good part of the discussion group um, because that's the, that's the main, I mean, that's one of the big things that changes when you ordain is being celibate and not just being celibate physically um, but all the other ramifications that come along with not having a partner. So I thought it would be good to to discuss that. Uh, a few days ago Eric and I were talking and I was telling him, you know, when people give back their ordination, it's not that they're sitting there going oh, God, I really want to kill somebody and I can't do it as a monk, you know, so I better disrobe so I can go out and kill that person, you know. Or it's not, somebody's not sitting there saying, I want to rob a bank and, you know, i got to give back my vows so I can do it, you know. I mean, this, these are not the reasons why people disrobe. So that, you know, it's, it's almost always, you know, with a few minor exceptions, because of the celibacy vow and the difficulty in keeping that. And it's not just the physical celibacy. Um, Lama Yeshe, when he talked about celibacy, because, you know, he had us. <laughs> this, this group of kind of hippie, free love people <laughs> showed up at Gopan and, you know, we were always asking him about drugs and then sex was the other favorite topic. And, um, and Lama pointed out to us, and very wisely so, that most of our lives were celibate. And he says, even when you're in you're, the years of you know, when your body has the most big sexual energy, if you take any 24-hour period, the amount of time you spend in bed with somebody and the amount of time you spend doing other things, most of the day you're celibate. Yeah, if you look at it that way, you know, I mean, you spend how much time in bed and how much time doing other stuff. So he was saying, you know, celibacy is not kind of something new and unknown. Most of the day you are celibate. Um, but then, you know, applying that over a long period of time, you know, except for that hour and a half here, you know, 45 minutes there, whatever it is, um, then, you know, really causes us to, to reflect in, inside, you know, about, first of all, handling the, the, the physical thing of celibacy and the sexual energy, that, that's one thing, um, it's one, that's one good quality of aging. <laughs> okay? <laughs> it's that your, your body kind of calms down a bit and doesn't have so much of that, that energy. But then, um, the other thing that's involved in the celibacy, you know, although breaking the t- celibacy vow technically is, you know, having intercourse or these various other things, you know, that are associated there. Um, actually, it's, uh, Keeping the celibacy vow is not just about restraining the physical energy. It's also all the things that go along um, with having sexual relationships. Okay? And so, you know, the first big thing, of course, is the emotional attachment. Yeah? And so for some people, that's the most difficult thing, is um, abstaining from having that kind of 
emotional attachment and that one person who is always there with you, who when things happen, you can always go and cry on their shoulder, who always thinks you're wonderful no matter what you do, or at least that's part of their job description, but that's why you get mad at them when they don't do a good job. Um, You know, is because we want them to say we're wonderful and to support us and whatever mood we're in, they're supposed to be in it too and they're supposed to meet our every emotional need and whenever we have quarrels we're supposed to be able to talk it all out openly with neither of us having any kind of difficulties in expressing ourselves or hearing other people and you know all this incredible uh, expectation we have of the emotional closeness that that gets tied into an, an intimate relationship. Okay, so for some people, um, that thing of giving up, having that one special relationship, you know, uh, one person who was here last year said, you know, she just kept on asking herself, you know, because she discovered in her meditation, she just wants to be special, special, if I'm special to one person, you know, then that's good enough. Well, what's this thing about being special? Okay, or what's this thing about being understood? You know, I want to be understood. So what's that about? Or I want to be loved. What does that mean? Or I want to be appreciated. You know, what is that? Okay, so there's all these kind of emotional needs that sometimes are actually much more powerful depending on the person than the physical thing. Okay, so it's really important to look at these emotional needs and see where we're at regarding that and how to, uh, you know, because we can't just tell ourselves, well, I'm not going to have that emotional need and and stuff it down because that doesn't work at all. Um, And we have to, you know, use the Dharma to kind of work with it. But some of those, you know, depending upon the person, again, are pretty um, deep-seated things and they're not going to go away by applying an antidote a few times here and a few times there to to very deep emotional needs. And so then the question comes, well, in the in the interim, while you're continuing to work on this in your meditation, then how do you work with those emotional needs just in your daily life? And what kind of other friendships and relationships do you uh, create, um, you know, so, so that you have some kind of intimacy with other people? Intimacy here meaning emotional intimacy or intellectual intimacy or whatever it is that you like to share with other people. Um, You know, how do you create other relationships that meet those emotional needs and at the same time work with those needs in your meditation? And how do you work with those needs in your meditation? Sometimes the question is, how do you even identify them? Because you don't even realize you have them. I don't know about you, you know, kind of you... You live them out your whole life and you just think this is normal in reality and you're not even realizing that these are our ego needs or, or we just call them needs, but they seem like they have nothing to do with ego. This is, you know, uh, just kind of a basic what it means to be alive kind of thing. We, we never see it as being related to self-grasping or self-centeredness. You know, so how do we even identify it sometimes, or or work with the different layers of identifying uh, it that we go, that goes on over the years? 
And then this brings up the whole thing of how do we relate emotional needs and sexual needs, you know? And some people have them in two different boxes. You know, my emotional needs are met by one person. My sexual needs are met by this other person or other people. You know, other people tie them incredibly together so that when there's difficulty in one area, either the sexual or emotional, then it affects the other area. Um, And it's not just in relationships, the sexual and emotional needs, but it's also the social things. Okay, we saw with Jyoti's example, when you get married, it's not just, you know, a sexual emotional thing. You're marrying into a family. Yeah, and even in America, I mean, it may not be as intense as, as her situation, but you marry into a family, you know, and your family comes along with you into, into your relationship, you know, and your partner, you know, has to relate to your mother and father and pet dog and, you know, you have to relate to their mother and father and pet dog and, and, and how do you do that? And then all the social pressure, because in our society there's so much social pressure to be in a couple. You know, so much incredible social pressure. You know, kind of like you don't have a life unless you have a partner. Now, and when you're, if you're not dating somebody and you're in between those periods, it's like your life's on hold until you meet somebody who then, you know, you start a relationship with, and then your life kind of, you know, gets gets on again. Yeah. So what's that all about? That that we feel that we only have a life when we're in a relationship. Now, and where did that come from? Is that coming from inside? Is that coming from outside? Is it coming from social conditioning that we ourselves interiorized and have gone along with? You know, whereby we feel that we're uh, to appear in any social situation, you have to have a partner. And then what about pressure from your family? Okay, you know, family wants to see you married because then they, parents feel, okay, I've done my job, my kid's married, now they're on their own, I can have, you know, and it's a, it's a big change for parents, you know, where there's, whereas if you stay single forever, they keep feeling like you're dangling in midair and you don't know what to do with your life, you know, so the, the, the pressure from parents to get married, the pressure from parents because they want grandchildren, you know, we had one person on, on retreat who just, you know, I mean, her son was not in a relationship, but boy, she was waiting, waiting for those grandbabies. And she really began to question, you know, why am I waiting? You know, why am I so excited about the birth of this child? You know, and it's like, what's that about feeling like you're, gene- you know, this kid's going to have some of my genes, so they're special. Yeah. And, and what's about this whole thing about it, having kids also relates to leaving our legacy. You know, as you age, when you get in your 40s and 50s and 60s, you start thinking of your legacy and what you're leaving behind. And the usual thing people leave behind in the world is kids. You know? So, so if you don't have kids, what's your contribution? What are you leaving behind? What's happening to your name? You know, and we may say our name's no big deal, but how would we feel if, you know, no, all of a sudden the name of our family no longer existed because there was nobody to carry it on? Okay? And maybe, maybe then we realize, oh, we are attached to this idea of family name and, 
you know, things getting carried on and, you know, and am I contributing to it? And so this whole thing about, you know, the pressure from your family and and wanting babies and your legacy and, you know, you're leaving this child behind, you're leaving something for the future. And then how does it come in playing out the things that you never got to do in your own life, playing it out in your kid? You know, because you want your child to have everything you didn't have and be everything that you weren't able to become. So I was supposed to be a doctor because my dad wanted to be a doctor, but he wound up being a dentist, you know. So I was supposed to be a doctor. And my brother was the one who became the doctor. I think that really, you know, there was like... And it wasn't, you know, like direct pressure, but it was just, you know, in the family, how you grow up, what, what you conditioning you feel. And so how much uh, do you feel, you know, even already, no matter what your age, things that you haven't been able to do or, or you don't think you're going to become, how much do you want to, do you feel like you need or want to play that out in, in somebody else and having a child who is your legacy, your, your gift to the world, something that you leave behind so even after you die, you can say, my life has had meaning. Yeah? Because isn't that the big way in society, how we know our life has had meaning? We leave either material things or we leave kids. And then that's, okay, my life had some value. This is what I left behind. Yeah, and uh, so how much is that? They're that kind of thing buried somewhere in our psyche that we may or may not be even aware of. Yeah, but wanting to lead our leave our legacy behind, and then you know, looking at all the things that that are involved. Um, you know, once once there's sexual attraction, and and how that kind of leads to to the whole lay life, you know, in a big way, you know, because if you have sexual attraction, okay, then then of course, you you know, you need a partner, you know, in typical societal ways, okay, I mean, you can't masturbate forever, so, you know, you need a, well, maybe some people, I don't know, you know, um, you need a partner, Okay, then you need a partner. Well, part of that thing of having the partner is you've got to get your partner gifts, right? And you've got to be able to provide for your partner in some way or another. So then you need a job, okay? And then you have kids. And it doesn't matter whether you're gay or straight. Gay couples have kids. Straight couples have kids. Then you have kids. Then you really need a job because you've got to give your kids everything you never had yourself. Or even everything you did have yourself costs a lot. Okay? So then you need a job. Then once you have the job, you need certain clothes to go with your job. And once you have a family, also you have the whole social thing that involves your family. Okay? Because you have kids, or even if you don't have kids, even if you just have a partner, then you still have family dinners their family dinner, your family dinner. So you need certain clothes for that. Then you need to wear your hair a certain way. You need to look a certain way to present yourself to your family and their family. And you need to look a certain way to present yourself at the job. And you need the job in order to be able to support your partner. You need the partner because, you know, you're glommed on to sexual activity. Okay? Then, 
you know, then you need a house to live in, okay? Because you got to live with your partner and you have kids, so you need a house. So once you have a house, then of course you have house payments, okay? Then you have to buy furniture, so you go into credit card debt. Yeah. So then your whole life is really shot because you're in credit card debt, and that's so hard to get out of. You know, it's like. I think almost every family in this country, except the really wealthy ones, is in debt in some way or another. As soon as you have a mortgage, you are in debt. Then once you're in debt, you can't just do what you want because you have to pay back your debt. Okay? So you have your mortgage debt. Then you have to get a car because you have to, in the courting process, you've got to drive your partner around or, you know, and you've got to drive your kids around. So then you have another debt because you have your car. So you have house payments, you have car payments, you have car insurance. Okay. Then you have to have all these clothes. So you've got to get that. And then you've got to buy the different people in their family and your family presence. So you have that expense. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you have your whole social role because you've got to look good in the community because now you have kids and you can't be a flaky parent. You know, you've got to have a good social position in the community and show that you give your kids good things and that you're making a lot of money and advancing in your career. So you buy more stuff because that's how you symbolize that to the people around you. So then you are in more debt. Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it? Am I lying or telling the truth? You know, you go out and buy more stuff on your credit card. Because how else are you going to afford it? And then especially when you want to look good to your family, then you need to get a boat. You need to get a second house. (laughs) Yeah, you need to go skiing at, you know, expensive resorts. You need to do expensive vacations because that's the way you impress your family. You impress your kids' parents. You impress your own partner. So you need money to go to the ski lodge and to get the second home and to get the boat and... You know, all these kinds of things. So you need more money, so you get in more debt, so you work harder, longer hours. Okay? So you can't have a part-time job and afford this kind of lifestyle. So you need to work more hours, so then you want to get a a higher position. Yeah, because you need a better position in, in your job, because first of all, you get more money. And you need it to support your lifestyle, to support your kids, to support your partner, to support your fondness for sex. You you need the social status that comes with all of that. So again, like I said, you can't be a flaky parent, you know. So you you have to be seen as a parent who's you know on the up and up, and so you have to get a promotion. Then you get the promotion, okay. Then you get the spectacular uh, benefit of being able to work more overtime, okay. So your life is even more controlled because you're working more overtime because you have more responsibility. Okay, so then you you have less free time to spend with your family, to spend with your partner in bed, to, to do everything else because you have to have this image in society. You have to have the money to pay for all these other things. Yeah, and so your life just kind of continues on like that. Yeah, and, and you know, you're ple- trying to please your partner, trying to please your kid, trying to please their family and your family and trying to please the society around you and look good. And that's the main focus in your life, is is to, to fit in, to do all of that stuff, because that 
is what is considered being normal and you've got to be normal. You know, and you've got to be typical. Or if you have a little bit atypical relationship, then you do it like you were talking yesterday, you know, with your Utni reader, but still, you know, in a very nice, comfortable, you know, progressive middle class environment, yeah, where you own everything. And now you have your car that's one of the electric cars, you know, it's a hybrid car. So you have your hybrid car because you do everything green. And those, you know, right? And then you've got to afford your subscription to Mother Jones Reader. <laughs> and, and, you know, and all your other progressive, you know, things that, that, that you do. And, um, you know, you've got to look like the... Uh, beat kind of really hip person who's who's a, a social activist you know but then of course you're doing your social activist work social justice work and you're completely frazzled and your mind's out of the out of control so you're going home and you're taking sleeping pills and you're having a drink because you can't you know or smoking a joint excuse me you don't have drinks if you're socially progressive and doing you know you smoke a joint instead okay and so you're doing that at home yeah, so that you can keep up your image of having all of this stuff because that's who you are and you have to have that to impress your partner because that's why they love you because you have those values and do those certain things. Okay, so, so we, you start out, you know, with sexual attachment and look where it takes you. <laughs> you know, it like it permeates your whole life and what you do with your life. For, you know, how many decades? It just permeates the whole thing. Okay? So, um, yeah, so there you, there you are. <laughs> and then yeah? you're so tired to go home and be sexually attracted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so exhausted. Yeah, you're so exhausted. You're just like, wait, have an affair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right, I forgot that. Oh, yes, so the much. affair. Yeah, because you're so screwed up at home, you still have your sexual energy, so you just have an affair. Right, yeah. You know, because you're, you're so tight, you're so full of worry, you're so full of anxiety, you never spend enough time with your partner to work things out. So things are really edgy at home. You know, you're fed up with your kids screaming. All you want is some happiness, so you have an affair. You know, and you go out with this one, and then you go out with that one, and then there's the problems because, you know, your partner finds out that you were with somebody else, or their partner finds out that they were with somebody else. Okay. And then you have all of that going on, and all the secrecy that 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 involves and all the lies that that involves and then when it all blows up because it always blows up um, and other people find out then then you know and then the, meanwhile the whole time that you're going out and having this affair you're feeling tremendously guilty so you have more anxiety <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, and then the person you're having an affair with is pressuring you to leave your family because they want to live with you. Yeah. And I need Viagra. <laughs> well, you need what? I need Viagra. Oh, yeah. Then, yeah. yeah, then you need Viagra. So, yeah. So, I mean, the whole thing, it just takes off. And you just look at, at American lifestyle, or you look at lifestyle in any society, and this is what it's all based on, and it all comes back to sexual attraction, you know? 
Because if you don't have the sexual attraction, you don't need the partner, then you don't have the kids, then you don't need the money to support the partner, then you're not so concerned with your social image to your family and their family. Okay, and, and you're not so concerned with your social image to your kids' friends. Yeah, and then you don't need the the more money to get all the things to to impress your partner and to pre- impress all the other people. You know, so so you you know you you just see, and then you're also not in so much debt. Yeah, so you have more freedom in your life. You know, so so it's very interesting just to take this one thing and just see how it's like. You know. It's, it's like Virginia Creepers, you know? <laughs> it's like napweed. <laughs> it just spreads and consumes everything. And, and then you're sitting there going, I have no freedom in my life. Hmm? Yeah. And then you come to Dharma and you like Dharma, but it, Dharma becomes really hard because you're so entrenched in all this other stuff by then. And so how are you going to leave it? You know, how are you going to leave your family? How are you going to leave your kids? How are you going to leave your whole social image of what everybody thinks you are? And even if you can take yourself out of that a little bit, are you mentally able to leave it? Or are you like filled with all certain kinds of confusion and guilt and remorse and all this stuff? You know, and attachment. So, um, yeah, so there's really... A lot here to, to think about. Okay? So, so, that was just a little introduction. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think, you know, like there's, there's a few questions here. So maybe we better do a little bit of meditation. And then, you know, I'll pose the questions for people to, to think about, um, you know, regarding this. And we can take it from there. <laughs>